Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you shiny man? During the course of his interview on the Tommy Tiernan show on Saturday night, Roy Keane revealed one nugget that I'd never heard before: his first date story with his wife, which involved Roy picking her up outside the city ground in Nottingham, driving around a bit, asking, "Did you want to go to the pictures?" Being told, "No, thanks. I was there last night." A drink then? Nah. Well, what else can we do? Asked an exasperated Keen before dropping her off and ending the date after 15 minutes. If only that first date had fallen on FA Cup third round weekend, there mm. would have been no shortage of places to go. Practically every second football ground in the country would have been hosting top-level football fixtures. What a feast of football we've had over the last couple of days from Wrexham knocking the mighty Coventry City out to Stevenage winning at... It was Stevenage, wasn't it? Yeah. Stevenage winning at Villa Park. And to think there was one member of the presenting team here who described, described some of these fixtures as more FA Cup bullshit during his Francis Murphy Guide to the Weekend Sport and Television last Friday. Hi, Murph. Hi, hey, Owen. How's it Owen, going? How are you doing? I mean, I was delighted for Wrexham. I mean, I, I think I'm the only one of the presenting team to have watched Wrexham, whatever the name of the show mm-hmm. is, but the behind-the-scenes story of Wrexham season last year. Wow. Have you seen any Just of Just wow, tweeted Rob McElhenney after this win against the wow. mighty... Coventry City. Wow, it's the only word for it. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, that um, level of American-style enthusiasm throughout the uh, uh, behind-the-scenes documentary, a show which I uh, bizarrely really enjoyed. You watched it? <laughs> You're goddamn right I did, uh, Ken. So, is it just the normal, is there any kind of... Yeah, it's got Hollywood superstars in it. Well, one. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. So he comes in and... He comes in, he looks brilliant. Um, I don't know if you've noticed over the last couple of months I've tried to start dressing like him. Have you noticed? No. No. I haven't, I haven't even seen you in a couple of months. <sighs> well, that's, that's true. Yeah. Oh, have you noticed? Uh, Ryan Reynolds is my... You're wearing like he's a... My, he's my style. Greenish, 
black, oh, blackish green. You're wearing a jumper yeah, over sweat, shirt. Sweatshirt. 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 Obviously, Sweatshirt. subtle at the moment. You always wear that. But I, no, but I've, I'm also wearing. You're like, you're like Cluffy. I'm, actually, no, I'm wearing. You're, you're, you're not going to Cluffy. I'm going to stand and, up for and, a second. And Ted Lasso. I'm going to stand up for a second. I want you to look at my trousers. Okay. Yeah. Have you noticed? You're wearing black. Have you noticed my trousers? Black. You're wearing. Chinos? They're 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 navy. They look navy from here. They're elasticated waist, mm-hmm. but also Draw quite dressy looking. And I'm wearing them with what white runners. Murphy's currently standing. Murphy's stood up here. Just explain yeah, this. It's Johnny, Johnny. He stood up and he's Johnny now Infantino. He's now shoving his Infantinos yeah. in our faces. No, no, it, uh, it's only a Johnny Infantino if you're wearing a suit, a suit jacket. Yeah. Bit of an what, what I'm going for it. Well, so I've given up on jeans basically. Mm-hmm. Je- uh, jeans. They had a good run. Fortunately, not for me. That anymore. was a while ago now, though. We were talking about the elastic. We were talking about the combats a while ago. The Pep combats, weren't we? And you said, "Well, yeah, but I'm not wearing combats on." And this, if, so if Pep Guardiola no, what I'm was my was style guru around then. that time, you, I'm pretty sure you informed us that. I, yeah, thought, I, thought, well, I thought maybe, the jeans yeah, had been gone for a while. So, so because you were now wearing a, a green sweatshirt, uh, a drawstring, draw, drawstring waist pants. It's everything below runners. the waist, basically. You expected me to be able to look at that and go, oh, yeah, that's Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah. He's doing yeah. the Reynolds. Yeah. You should have. But again, see, you're asleep at the wheel. So what exactly... You're asleep at the wheel, Can, can we please get back to the, the yeah. program? What is it about this thing that's... Mostly the trousers, to be... If, if I'm honest. Uh, you watched it because... A sprinkling of, of Hollywood stardust. I watched David Beckham's uh, Doha stopover. Yeah. Mainly focusing on his trousers. Yeah. What was he... What's, what's he... Um, What's he going for? High-waisted, flat-fronted pants with a French tuck off to one side. It's an asymmetrical French tuck. It's <laughs> wow. very specific. Well, yeah. because you can't help but but just look at them. You, they're they're hypnotic. You're like, where? What are those trousers? <laughs> you know? What how and where and how? And he wears and di- he wears a different. Uh, you know, he goes to the spice market and he's wearing mm-hmm. one pair of trousers and then he goes to to the Pearl Fisherman and gotcha. he's wearing another and then he goes to the Falconry and he's wearing the different yeah. trousers. And you know I were they all high waisted? They they were. They were they're high waisted and flat fronted. So, you know, you obviously have to uh you know, you have to be in shape. Yeah. You've wear body them. body. It's a flex, yeah. yeah. But uh I mean, I don't know. is there anything else about the the actual the Wrexham documentary that uh, that is that is interesting. You know, it's FA Cup third round weekend when Ken is staying on this Wrexham documentary <laughs> thing for so long. How much longer do I have to keep talking about this before I can just go straight well, to the when interview? I ba- when I bail you out, because I was no, I mean, you don't need to bail me out. I mean, it's it's not it. It's the most inoffensive television show imaginable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the sort of thing that you can put on when you just couldn't be bothered thinking about anything. Yeah, you know, so I mean, I'm not I'm not going to give it the the hard watched, sell here. Have you watched the Louis Van Gaal documentary? No. Uh, I have watched the first hour or so of it, and it's pretty good. I, I will, I will go back and watch the second hour. Okay, good. It's always a good. Song. No higher praise exists. It did have a um, a moment though that that uh, jabbed me in the ribs painfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, wasn't there trouser related? No, it wasn't. Okay, uh, there there are. I mean, the the documentary is good actually. I mean, Van Hal. I love Van Hal, and he comes across. Well, a lot of people come across well in their own documentary. Um, but you know, the, it's the sort, of, sort of talking about his career, you know, his childhood, his his life. Um, but a big part of his career, of course, happened right here in this town. I'm just down the road. It's still the last match, and probably the last ever match he will lose as Holland manager mm. was uh, on the first of World September. Cup? Oh, wait, so it's because what? Huh? Last match he loses Holland manager. Well, you you draw and you lose on penalties. That's not a defeat. So. 
he didn't lose any matches in his 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 last defeat as Holland manager was down the road on in Lansdowne Road. He didn't lose any in the current era. No, nor in his, nor in 2014. He got to the semi-final, got knocked out in penalties by Argentina and beat Brazil in the third place game. Mm -hmm. This time, obviously, they uh, didn't get that far, lost to Argentina at an earlier point. But no defeats. Mm -hmm. Um, That Ireland game does come up because, you know, there's there's a whole Barcelona episode and then he, then... I'm like, well, what are they going to do about this? How are they going to cover this uh, World Cup campaign, which I remember so well, uh, into that for the 2002 World Cup? And actually, they just show the Ireland goal. It just—it's it, like the Dutch commentary, and it's Keen getting the ball and spinning around a guy on the on the far side, and the Dutch commentator shouts, "An absolutely brilliant player!" And uh, the ball continues. He doesn't shout it in English; it's it's, it's subtitled, <laughs> and uh, you know, continues feeling. Um, Magdeir goal oh no from the and and cut to Louis van Gaal driving in a, his small car with both the the, the, the Boer twins wedged <laughs> in the back seat <laughs> I have actually just seen a screenshot of this and it does look extremely weird this, literally the only thing I've seen of this entire documentary is the two De Boers yeah. <laughs> in the back seat the, the, the De Boer twins are sitting there with their little pointy faces and they're I mean they're what they must be 50 50 yep. now or older than that and um and they're sitting there and basically Van Hal is like, why didn't it work like <laughs> You know, and, and the DeBoer twins in their sort of forthright way are like, well, you know, I mean, we sort of knew all the tactic stuff that you were going on about. We kind of, we had played for you for a lot mm. of years, Louis. So sometimes when you get a group of real top players together like that, it's about like, um, lads, let's just go and play some football, you know, as opposed to this is a ball. You are the right winger. You know what I mean? And, and sort of trying to trying to drill it all from a basic level. Why, why do they give you a pain in the ribs? You said it like a jab in the ribs. Well, because uh, it's Frank De Boer. Who, is it Frank? or I think it's Frank who's saying, well, you know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, at an international level, if you're off your game just a little bit, you can end up... <laughs> You can end up losing to to Portugal, or lo- you know, you can play against Northern Ireland, and you can lose to Northern oh, Ireland. Oh, I see. And nobody remembers that it wasn't Northern Ireland at all. They just—it's just—he's just pushed it so far down into yeah. the sort of mm. bin of shame in his mind <laughs> that when he went to retrieve it, it was like it must be Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt so. So that did—it did hurt me, and it, it hurt me that Van Hal didn't remember. You know, I thought he should have been able to say actually. Frank, you're wrong. You're wrong on that. that one because he is a, he is a guy who likes to uh, point out when people have made a mistake, if only to mm-hmm. to make sure they don't make that mistake again. But uh, he's like, why didn't you just go along with it, lads? You know, you knew that it worked. Uh, you knew that, like, um, we, you know, we'd been successful at Ajax. Why couldn't you just have sort of? And they were like, well, we were thirty, you know. So <laughs> we'd sort of been, you know. Sometimes it's just about having fun, Libby. You know, maybe well, maybe you should have looked at it that way, Libby. And then they sit there staring at the window with their pointy faces. You were talking about how Beckham looked and Ryan Reynolds. I thought Roy Keane looked sharp in his Tommy Tiernan appearance, on his Tommy Tiernan appearance. But um, I must say it was jarring somewhat seeing him with the beard, mm. having seen him the previous night with the moustache. And then you're going back, to, oh yeah, obviously this is pre-recorded and he still had the beard at the time. And the beard worked better for the Tommy Tiernan interview because you had that amazing visual of the two of them. Just the two beards talking sort of to be- each other. The beard twins. Well, yeah. Although... Albeit, I would say Roy's was kind of wilder. Your your beard now comes in a distant third to Roy Keane and Tommy Tiernan at the time of. Uh, oh, absolutely! I haven't. I'm, I'm especially bearded now. I mean, I've. Well, got, you're, I've got you're a beard. You've got, got a beard. You've got a. Yeah, you've yeah. got a thick, lustrous. Uh, I mean, if you beard. wanted me, I could try and give it a go and, and get it up to that level. But it's been an 
I haven't haven't got that thickness for mm. quite a while. Um, uh, in fairness, the little anecdote I mentioned at the top of the top of the podcast was easily the highlight of the interview. I would say, which at times is tough going for Tommy. I mean, I I I I, I am in awe of Tommy Tiernan just for being able to present that show. Mm. It's literally my idea of hell <laughs> being thrown in, not knowing who the guest is going to be. Not, oh Jesus, all of that sort of stuff. Not I'd being never guessed doing work, from working with you. <laughs> not being able to prepare years. for it, all those things. <laughs> Oh, I like to dot a few eyes in, in advance. You do, you do. Yeah. No tea remains I've uncrossed. I've, I've, I've and we love you for it, on. But uh, do. yeah, in this case, it was tough. It was. I actually thought it got better once Tommy Tiernan acknowledged how badly it was going. Mm. Which isn't a bad thing to do sometimes. He's like, you're very guarded, you know. Mm. And, and then at that stage, King goes, "Well, yeah, yeah, you know, what do you want me to do? Some somersaults?" And then at some stage, at one stage, he, he asked him about dogs. You know, this should be safe ground. Mm. Get him talking about something. He's like, "Yeah, I like dogs. You know, <laughs> I like walking the dog. I like walking the dog." And it's like, what, are, the, "Are the questions too hard for you?" Says Tommy. <laughs> At one stage, which, um, you know, just added a bit of oomph. I thought the second part of it, when he started, he opened up a little bit more, mm. but uh, it was, yeah, it was tough going at times. So that's probably enough TV reviewing for mm. the time being. That's reporting some sport, please, Kent. Oh, and I should also mention, uh, just before you, you kick on there, Kent, this podcast, of course, is available to everybody. The rest of our football coverage this week, as always, will be available to members only. Secondcaptains.com, mm-hmm. five a month plus VAT. Mm-hmm. And it's Dion Fanning and Jacob Steinberg coming up today, talking about, amongst other things, Graham Potter's future. Jacob wrote a piece on Friday about how Potter came out fighting at his press conference before the team lost 4-0 to Man City in the Cup. Anyway, where do you want to start? Uh, a fish called Wanda was on TV at some point. Oh, we're still going with the reviews. <laughs> no, it's, I just, um, I flicked it on and I said, oh yeah, and then I said, that's, that's what Keane reminds me of. <laughs> I yeah. forgot. Kevin it's, it's Kevin Klein in a fish called yeah, Wanda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name is Otto. It means eight. <laughs> uh, he, <laughs> I don't know why he's got. I always thought you would be played by Kevin Klein if there was a movie made of your what career. Do you think Kevin Klein in that? I mean, he's quite old now. I yeah, suppose. yeah. He must he's be like seventy-eight years old or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. that's fine. I mean, yeah, no. He. It's he, amazing what Hollywood can do. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm getting closer and closer to Kevin Klein. A de-aged Kevin Klein plays you in the Milltown County yeah. uh, <laughs> final. <laughs> No, he doesn't have the, the footballing ability to replay my uh, performance that day again, of course. Um, so, where are we? Uh, oh, yeah, you mentioned Graham Potter. I wonder if Graham Potter, uh, yeah, maybe he should watch that Van Hal documentary and take on board Frank de Boer, a great manager himself, mm-hmm. uh, uh, said about sometimes when you get a bunch of top players together, it's just about, come on, lads, let's play some football. Um, I do wonder if that's part of what's going wrong here. Although, to be honest, right, I, I think... The, the main thing that has to be said about Graham Potter is none of this is his fault. Mm-hmm. Right? Graham Potter is in a completely impossible situation. He, he, uh, did he, he take over the bottom club in the league in January or, or something, did he? Did uh, well, they're not bottom now. I mean, if you're taking over the bottom club in the league, everyone would be raving about what a great job he's done getting them up to 10th or mm. wherever they are. Um, they had no chance against Man City. Right? They're, they're nowhere near, they're, there's nowhere near the level that Man City are at. They've been completely Chelsea. I'm, I'm talking about mm-hmm. have have been going off the rails for long, a, a long time before um, the whole sanctioning and transfer of ownership and all of that stuff. They've made a complete mess of their squad, and the squad that is a total mess. And you say, hang on, you say they've been off the rails a long time before the sanctioning stuff. I mean, they did win the Champions League. Only yeah, a few since then, all that. that was the moment at which they started to go off the rails. So what they did was they, they were like, we need to sign Romelu Lukaku. So they brought him in. A total disaster. 
but while neglecting to renew uh, Rudiger and Christensen, who proceed to walk out the door right when the um, sanctioning happened. They're like, well, obviously, this isn't really the place to be anymore. Anyway, we've got offers from Barcelona and Real Madrid. You know, I was looking at Graham Potter's press conference after the game last night, and it actually auto-played. The next video <laughs> just auto-played Jamie O'Hara on TalkSport, mm. right? And I, and his just he, he hooked me in immediately with like, just his first, his angry um, comments, the angry tone in which he was speaking about Chelsea made me think, I want to listen to this. And he was ranting and raving as though he himself had been on uh, in among the Chelsea faithful at the Etihad last night, singing the name of Thomas Tuchel. We've got super Thomas Tuchel, which obviously they've got Graham Potter. But uh, that's what they were singing before they started singing for Abramovich as well. And uh, and he was like, Tuchel, Tuchel won the Champions League with these players. I don't see any fight. I don't see any passion. They're weak. I played against Chelsea teams. With, but they had Bullock. They had Ashley Cole. They had John Terry. They had Lampard. You know, leaders. Mm. Uh, you know, monsters. Uh, big, big characters in the dressing room. These guys, pff, you know. But Tuchel won the Champions League with these guys. Tuchel did not win the Champions League with these. Tuchel, if you look at the team that won the Champions League, three of the players to play for Chelsea last night were in that team. Mount, he was just coming back from an injury uh, yesterday. Um, uh, uh, Kai Havertz mm -hmm. and Jorginho, right? They're the three. Everyone else, no, you know, there's no <laughs> the Rudiger, Rudiger. You know, any of these guys? Do we have you know N'Golo Kante? Right? Is it, anyone for N'Golo Kante? Is he? If N'Golo Kante was playing for Chelsea now, might their results be a little bit better? I do. I think they would be. Mm -hmm. You know, so Chelsea at the moment have got. Uh, Kante is out. Reese James, he was another one in the Champions League final. He's out. Mendy, he was, in the, you know, he, he's out. Uh, Fofana, who was their big, uh, their headline defensive signing, has been out basically since they signed him. Uh, Broja, uh, there, well, in fairness, he wasn't a big part of the Champions League thing, but he was supposed to be one of their coming men. He's smashed his knee. He's he's out for I don't know how long. Loftus Cheek, uh, Sterling, who was another major signing, uh, I'm sure would have been keen to play against City and show it, you know, he, he lasted two minutes against City, he's out. Pulisic is out. Aubameyang shouldn't have signed him, he's out. Uh, Chilwell, another Champions League player, is out. Okay, how are you supposed to put together... A, how, this, the, these are most of the best mm. players in the squad. What are you supposed to do? He has been unlucky. Yeah, he's been unlucky. And I, I think... I, you, I, can't I, do, you can't do anything about I'd, that. I just like, find I, it amazing that Chelsea fans no. will sing for Thomas Tuchel. I'd like to see Potter given a chance, but at the same time, in why should he be treated any differently to any other managers at not just Chelsea but other clubs when you, you go in the kind of runs that they're going on and they're as bad as almost anyone else in the league over the last seven or eight games if that lasts much longer it ends what I have found surprising about this all season long is this almost guarantee that he's going to last the season at least a season. He's, he's, got, he's there for the long term we're patient owners we're you know despite the fact we just ruthlessly dispatched our Champions League manager this new guy we put in yeah no that, there's no but this is all the briefings that journalists are getting mm. and that we're hearing and I've always found that slightly strange because that can only last so long as soon as the results get to a certain point and more to the point, as soon as the toxicity around the club gets to a certain point, which it is not yet, but could be after a few more games, I think the manager just goes, and it's unfair, but it's an, it's an unfair business Graham Potter is working in. Yeah, it, it is, and I, and I think he is probably screwed. 
Even you do think that, yeah. yeah. Despite everything that I that I'm saying about, I don't think this situation is his fault, and it's completely unfair to blame him. And it's and for Chelsea fans to be singing for Tuchel and Bramish, I mean, this is just this is not helping. Mm. Playing right? Man City three times, three times in the last eight games in three different competitions is a, that that is a bit of a sick. You could do without that. Yeah, you really so we, could. I think we're actually we're actually agreeing on this then. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I you know, I was watching him after the game. I mean, his press conference. I watched the one after the the previous game, or rather, they did it after the game. But but it was actually the one to preview Chelsea. So they did it after the last Man City Chelsea mm. game. But like they literally changed out the backing. You know, the, yes, the guys sitting the there, they, they, yeah, they yeah. changed it out. It's like, right, now we're previewing the next <laughs> game. So but he's still sitting there having just lost the having just yeah. lost the game. But the 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 one um the one uh, last night, you know, I was just struck by his I mean he he there was nothing really special about it. I mean, he came, you know, we were second best, you know, congratulations to the city. You know, they, they can make you look bad. They're, it's a, when you're not in a good moment yourself, they, they, they're the worst team to play because, you know, for obvious reasons. But then at some point he started talking about the results and it was as though he wanted to put the run that they've had, which is one win in the last eight. I mean, at least yesterday was just the cup, right? Mm. You know, it's like, mm. Um, although it is apparently the first time they've got knocked out of this stage in the Cup in 25 years. They're it, not used to that. And it would have been better just to lose one or two nil. Four it nil. Would. Four nils are never good in any competition. Four nil. And especially if you saw the, um, the halftime stats where it was just a string of zeros <laughs> next to Chelsea. Like Chelsea, City were winning 3 nil, and then Chelsea was just zeros, like zero attempts, zero on target, you know, zero, zero, uh, zero offside. They didn't even have a, a yellow card. You know what I mean? No, there wasn't even anyone getting out there just getting booked for it. You know? Just kick someone. Yeah. Feel so you can feel something. Exactly. Keynote, say. Exactly. Yeah. There wasn't even, even Colin Gallagher hadn't managed to get himself booked. <laughs> right. And, um, and he starts going, you know, well, the games we lost and he's like, we lost to, to Newcastle away. We had nine players unavailable. We lost, we lost to Arsenal. We lost to Brighton on a bad day. We lost, and I was like, stop saying we lost. Stop, stop reminding. And he, we lost to City. So, you know, they're the teams he's lost. And I guess his point was we've lost to some of the strongest teams, yeah. you know. But again, it just it just had the effect of a man sitting there for some time sort of re- reeling off a list of defeats, which I just thought, yeah, this is not, you know. And, and then he says stuff like, our job is to do our job. And you're like... No, that's just. Is this the way that you turn it around? The the kind of uh, the 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 sort of tailspin that you're in. It's hard. It's hard when you're not winning it for any manager to say. I, I thought the same before the game. God, we're going to be confusing people with Graham Potter media performances here. But uh, before their first Man City game, remember we were talking about how impressive Jack Grealish was post match. Yeah. But even pre match, they they both managers walked over and the camera shot showed them walking. You know, from the dugouts or wherever they were coming from. And it's just so, it was just remarkable to watch Potter and then Pep. Pep was so much more sure of everything he was doing. It's a really small, like a nonsensically small thing. But he was just really authoritative and just how he, how he went over uh, the interview that he gave. Everything looked, whereas Potter was look, kind of waiting for the press guy to point him where to go. And it was all just a little bit. And I, I know I'm reading way too much into things. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, I think the Potter body language question is. It, uh, it, is, it is. People would rather see a bit more emotion from yeah, Graham Potter, yeah. I think, you know. Well, this is. Maybe hammering him for not walking assuredly enough towards a pretty much TV interview is all right, Jamie O'Hara. Something I'd probably want to walk back right now, but it's too late at this stage. It's gone out of the podcast. But do, do you think Pep saw the Banshees of Inisherin? By the way, uh, has Pep seen that movie? <sighs> Only watched it last night. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Did you like the jumpers? Um, Looks like Pep did. 
Yeah, yeah, he did. He did show up quite uh, in a share and like, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, when he was, especially in the in the away, I can't remember what he was wearing. I think Bar- I think Barney Roney described it as Captain Haddock, which to be fair was I think even better. <laughs> yeah, but that the the Potter thing, you know, there there was another thing that I saw recently. It was this. It was Viali, um, Sonio Azzurro. That this uh, documentary Italy made. I haven't seen the whole documentary. It's this clip of Viali talking in it about their winning the Euros, you know, mm. um, it was kind of filmed during that. And Viali was talking about why so many people um, wish, basically why he was so popular, not in such mm. not in such terms, but why people seemed so interested. And he said, maybe it was because I was a strong, I was at the same time a strong man who was also obviously fragile and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like this is a kind of a... A combination of characteristics which is attractive you know people uh, are drawn to that and I think this you know the, he's speaking in the context of obviously his illness uh, and the kind of support that he gets but also I think it has to do with his appeal as a as a player as a manager at Chelsea for you know for example um, Potter doesn't really give you anything like that no he seems like a nice man yeah but he's not dramatic and Chelsea, of more than any other club, is is looking for a star in a star manager. Mm-hmm. And ever, I can't think of a single Chelsea manager in the whole time that I've been watching them who has succeeded without you know succeeded in terms of being loved by the crowd. Not not just in terms of winning trophies, because a lot of Chelsea managers have won things. Um, Roberto Di Matteo, for example, won mm. won the biggest trophy you can win. But I don't think he's you know, I mean, okay, he also played for Chelsea, which is a slightly different thing and scored in the FA Cup final and so on. But it's not like people are like, oh, the, no one's singing for Roberto Di Matteo to come back like they were with Tuchel the other, the other day and that never happened. Um, but all of the managers and, I, and the, the ones that I think of are Viali, uh, Mourinho, uh, Conte, Ancelotti and Tuchel. Tuchel. These guys are all, were all stars before they ever came to Chelsea. You know what I mean? They were all, and they were all um, uh, exceptionally charismatic guys. You know, in different in different ways. And Potter is not that. You know, now that that which is which is nothing against him. It's just to say that I, I this is not this is not a club where that type of manager usually, usually succeeds. Yeah, which they, uh, they, they they knew his personality. They, they knew all this before appointing him. So this is where... Did... Todd Bowley does not understand the club that he's... You know, he, yeah, there could to, be that. But Bowley, I, I don't think he really ha- has a kind of a sense of what, what do Chelsea fans want. I mean, I suppose he's learning that now. But like he's just like, well, this guy Potter is obviously really good. You know, he's done brilliantly with Brighton. I talk to him and he sounds pretty sensible. He sounds pretty switched on. You know, I, we talk about all the different sort of, I don't know what Todd Bowley and Graham Potter talked about, but apparently Potter and Bowley likes each other and, mm-hmm. and Potter continues to say, well, they're smart guys. He said at one point, they're billionaires, you know, so they're pretty smart. Yeah. Smarter than me. Smarter than me. <laughs> like, Ooh. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, Graham, you know, recent events, uh, you know, perhaps suggested <laughs> uh, that maybe they're... Uh, smart in one particular area of their lives while, uh, you know, being holding the potential to be breathtakingly stupid in other areas. Yeah, but you know, that if you remember when, what Bowley said when he sacked Tuchel was you need to, when you run it, when you take over a business, Frank and Chelsea has a business, even though that's not really what it is, uh, when, when you take over a business, you've got to be sure you're aligned with the people who are like running that business for you. 
and he obviously wasn't aligned with Tuchel. I mean, essentially, they didn't really have a good relationship. He Bully would say, Bully would say this and that, and Tuchel would say, no, that's stupid. No, I disagree. We should do this. And Bully's like, well, we can't do that. You know, all like, whereas Potter was, they, they were more, let's say, in alignment. Yeah, I can imagine Potter, Potter being good person to work with. But in terms of, of looking at what Chelsea is, he describes Chelsea as a business, which is a normal way, I suppose, for a billionaire who's just bought it to think of it. But that's not what it is. It's like this, it's it's a... I don't, I don't even know what you call it. Is it an institution? Is it a? Is it like a cultural movement? <laughs> is it a, a mind virus? The Chelsea mind virus? <laughs> Who knows? Right, but it's been there for, you know, it's, 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 it, 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 Potter was saying, you know, it's changed. It hasn't changed. It's the same thing. Go back to the 60s, you know, the, the Gilesy Chelsea Leeds game, which was like the most watched ever TV event somehow. And, you know, they're, they're representing a certain something, Chelsea. They were representing, they were the glamour team, right? Mm. That, you know, that's certainly how Leeds thought of them, all these uh, mm. shandy drinking, southern, whatever else. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some more choice words. Yeah, whatever else. But, you know, that was always kind of their, that, that's what we are. You know, we are Chelsea, we are showbiz. You know, we're, in, we're an exciting, dramatic club. Uh, you know, we go through managers, mm. whatever, you know, like... Well, in the Bramford era, there became those things plus a team that won loads of trophies, which makes it even more difficult when you're taking over the club or the manager of the club to try to tell everyone, oh, by the way, all that other stuff, forget about that. It's, it's a blank slate here at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the way it's going to be. And, 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 and Potter sort of sounded like in that in that press conference on Thursday, I know where, where he got all this kind of weirdly, I thought, got credit for like, Potter bites back, the worm turns, you know... Uh, he's pissed off. Actually, if you look at what he said, he was like, you know, I can come in here and I can be, you know, pissed off. <laughs> as though, as though he, yeah, yeah. you know, that's how he said it, as though he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't sure that he would, he should use that sort of blue language. But like, there's a lot of, he's trying to manage expectations, but he's in a difficult situation. I mean, what you're saying about, about um, Chelsea having got used to, you know, thinking of them being winning the Champions League and so on and so mm. like Jamie O'Hara's like oh we won the Champions League or he's not saying we I'm sure yeah, he's yeah. a Chelsea fan but um, that doesn't make it any just the fact that like things aren't necessarily going to be like that anymore doesn't mean that the fans are going to be like yeah we accept that we accept that things have changed mm. and we're prepared to change ourselves. We actually look forward to the new direction you're taking us that's in, Coach Potter. That's not the way it goes. Whenever you see a club that's, that used to be very successful that is now suddenly entering a period of not being successful, they're the worst, oh. angriest fan bases. You know, you look at United. Attack, United, attack. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the whole post-Fergie United, wasn't like people were like, look, you know, we had a really good run. Maybe mm. it was it was too much when you look back and it. it was crazy how successful. Hibernation time for 10 years. <laughs> Maybe we need to, to, to kind of find a new... That wasn't the way it was. It was like, this guy, get rid of this guy, get rid of that guy. This guy's not good enough for this club. You know, Liverpool in the 90s, similar story. Wenger's Arsenal, you know, in, in his late sort of phase when he stopped being successful and stopped even looking like he could be, how angry that fan base became. So... Uh, that's why I think it's difficult. It's completely not his fault, but this is a difficult situation for him now. We'll hear from Dion and Jacob about that. But it's all happening in French football oh. in the last couple of days. <laughs> this guy, Noel Legrette, Noel Legrette, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, the president of the FFP, uh, FFP, uh, FFF, French Football Federation. Um, <laughs> he just said this amazing thing, which is... Uh, 
Um, so D- Didier Deschamps, they've renewed his contract to 2026. So that's, you know, two tournaments, um, which is, I mean, why why not? You know, he's got to two, the last two World Cup finals. He's He's been pretty good. He got to the Euros final, you know. Um, they did have the possibility of appointing Zinedine Zidane, of course. He, was, uh, he also did some good things for France. Uh, I don't give a damn. Zidane can go wherever he wants. This is because they said Zidane might end up the manager of Brazil. Yeah. Um, I don't give a damn. Zidane can go wherever he wants. I know he was always on the radar. He had a lot of supporters. Some were waiting for Deschamps' departure. But who can make serious reproaches to Deschamps? Nobody. Zidane does what he wants. It's none of my business. I've never met him. We never considered parting with Didier. He can go where he wants to a club. If Zidane tried to contact me, certainly not. I wouldn't even pick up the phone. Oh! <laughs> I wouldn't even pick up the phone to Zidane. Zidane. <laughs> seems a bit much now. Yeah. Whoa. So uh, Mbappe gets straight on Twitter and goes, Zidane is France. We do not disrespect the legend like that. And a face palm emoji. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, so he's just, um, yeah taking to task the, the leader of the federation. Could we hire this guy? Great. Like, you know, if Jonathan Hill ever gets tired of leading the, the FAI, you know, if, if, if that ever happens, maybe we could, this is a guy we could, I, I, there's something about his, his punchy attitude yeah, that yeah. I like. Listen, anytime you hear a sports administrator with, uh, coming out with fiery language like that, you know that not alone is he a compelling media performer, he's also getting the job done in the office, as we all know. <laughs> yes. I, I wouldn't even pick up the phone to... I wouldn't, even I wouldn't the phone piss to that. on the needs of that if he was on fire. <laughs> so, and you can quote me on that. Communicado oficial, yeah. Real Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Club of football. Involved. Regrets. The unfortunate statements made by the president of the FFF, Noel Legrette, about Zinedine Zidane, one of the greatest legends of world sport. These words are disrespectful towards one of the most admired figures by football fans around the world. Our club is waiting for immediate rectification, says Real Madrid. Zinedine Zidane, world champion and European champion, defending his country's shirt, among many other titles, represents the values of the sport and has demonstrated this throughout his professional career as a player and a coach. The statements of the president of the French Football Federation are inappropriate for someone who holds that representation and disqualifies themselves as does he also makes about our captain Karim Benzema current Ballon d'Or so there's this another current yeah. Ballon d'Or champion of the French uh, uh, the Nations League with France a winner of five Champions Leagues among many other titles and communication <laughs> uh, Perez of course has always been a massive fan of Zinedine Zidane he was one of the very few people who he didn't um, uh, torch in his leaked audios if you remember his remember the mm-hmm. the uh, Perez tapes where he would he he would basically just called everyone an idiot who was involved with Real Madrid. Uh, Ronaldo was crazy. The guy's an idiot. He's sick. You'd think this guy is normal, but he's not. If he was, he wouldn't do all the things he does. Why would he do something so stupid? This is him talking about Ronaldo. Uh, while, while still a player. Yeah, yeah. 20, uh, 2012. Them, yeah, this is 2012. Like Ronaldo. Ronaldo's Ronaldo just Real won Madrid. him the league. <laughs> Mendes has no control over Ronaldo. It's the same with Mourinho. They don't listen to him. They're two guys with terrible egos. Spoiled the pair of them. They don't see reality. They could earn a lot more money if things were different. They're both abnormal. <laughs> you know, uh, Casillas. Oh, yeah. The best one was Casillas and Real. He's not a Real Madrid goalkeeper. Never has been. This is 2006, right? Casillas <laughs> was plugged, plowed on for another five or five or six years. He's not, never has been. He's been one of our biggest failures. The problem is people adore him, love him. They support him so much. He's one of the biggest frauds. The other is Raul. The two <laughs> biggest Real Madrid frauds are first Raul and second Casillas. That was, that was what Perez said uh, on tape. 
course, he uh, did not realize he was on tape. Right? No, yeah. I mean he his in in the statement that he put out threatening legal action against El Confidencial, which was the one who had uh, printed the the some of the tapes. They are isolated quotes. They were taken. They were part of conversations and have been taken out of the wider context in which they were made. So possibly the context made it all. A so, lot, yeah, I mean uh, the world frauds worldwide. You know, fraud, the two yeah. biggest Real Madrid frauds around. <laughs> like he was just torturing him, but always loved Zinedine Zidane. Zinedine Zidane, and uh, and why wouldn't he? Because Zinedine Zidane's a, a great guy. Just uh, another bit of breaking news that I can. Oh yeah. For, if, are you finished with the Zidane story? Sir? Yeah. Yeah. No, just. Um, no, I don't think that Evan Ferguson is going to play for England now, here. <laughs> Paul Rowan, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Could Evan Ferguson go the same way as Declan Rice and Jack Grealish? Jesus, no. I've read that headline. Yeah, I literally, like... I haven't read the piece. I've just, I, mean, I, I read no. the, I've read the no. piece. Well, applying the headline, if the headline is in the form of a question, the, the answer, answer is, is always, always no. no. <laughs> That's the only reassuring thing about that. But, uh, but it turns out Evan Ferguson, of course, uh, his mother is English. He'd be fully entitled to make the switch, mm-hmm. should he so, should yep. he so deem it. <laughs> Lee Carsley, uh, this is Paul Rowan's uh, report, by the way, in, in yesterday's Sunday Times. Lee Carsley's with their the, under-21. The, the England under-21 measure is watching like a vulture. Uh, I don't think the word vulture appeared in the in uh, Paul Rowan's copy. Let's let us be quite clear. It now. doesn't. It doesn't. No, uh, he says he's watching. I'm he's, sh- is I'm sure watching closely or something like that. He says while there is no indication that Ferguson would consider such a move, and those close to him dismiss the idea. Paul, I mean, you could have written that about. Yeah. You could have written that about Ricey, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, the England under twenty one manager and former Ireland international Lee Carsley is watching and wondering. The FA in London is also refusing to be drawn. On the matter, <laughs> so even even playing Ferguson in a competitive game won't tie him down because of his age. What uh, says? Yeah, I I think the rule now says that you have to play three times before you're tied down. So he could, he could feasibly play uh, two competitive. Say he played against France in the in the World Cup qualifiers and the Euro qualifiers. Scores a hat trick. Scores a hat trick and then scores against whoever the next game is against. Mm-hmm. And then Lee Carsley and Southgate swoop. He could be playing for England. So in, Declan Rice did play, did play three times for us, but they were three all friendlies. friendlies. Yes, as he could have, he could have, he could have played fifty friendlies for us. That, I think that would have been Listen, okay. Wouldn't it? Can I just say, Evan Ferguson will play for Ireland. He was not going to. He's not going to be playing for England, and that's that. So like, can we just nip this in the bud now? Okay, yeah. Ken, please. Yeah. No, okay, I'll, I'll go along with you. Please, I'll go along with you for now. It's outrageous. Mm-hmm. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Take your time there. Take your time. Take your time. Relax, relax. Now. Oh, what a pass. What a pass. What a reverse pass. Go! Go!
Welcome to heaven, Willen. Welcome to heaven. Give him the ball on his feet. He will do the magic. Welcome to heaven. Oh, he was amazing. He was amazing. Welcome to heaven. Willen, Willen, Willen. Fantastic. Welcome to heaven. The currency's Dion Fanning has dropped into studio. Hey, Dion. Hey, Owen. How's it going? Not too bad. And we've got Jacob Steinberg, who covered Graham Potter's pugnacious press conference performance before the cup tie against Man City for the Guardian. How are you, Jacob? All good, thanks. Where does do things lie for Graham Potter, do you think, Dion, after the weekend? Um, I don't think they lie in a, a, a particularly comfortable... He doesn't lie in a particularly comfortable position, I don't think. I, 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 I know the every suggestion is that his his job is safe and this is a a different a different chelsea but i think it is um it is is it's still there are there are certain points when differences don't matter when mm. actual if the support like the, you know for the supporters to be chanting for tugel and for roman abramovich uh yesterday um does a couple of things. One, it kind of it reveals that frustration, but it also puts a little bit of pressure on the owners. Mm. Um, and in terms of like, okay, we're not happy with the ownership either. And if you're the owners and you suddenly feel right, we've got this mutinous support base. Is the there hardcore a, fans, the away fans. Is there, is there anything we can do to make to placate them in any way, you know, is there anything? Is there any, uh, you know, the the uh, you know the Peter Cook sketch? We're going to need a we're going to need a, a symbolic gesture at this point. <laughs> this is a, I do I I think you're onto something there because and Jacob can talk to us about the support that apparently is there for him. They want to take a long term view. All these sorts of things. It reminds me a little bit. I don't know if it's a fair comparison of the final Solskjaer season where we kept hearing the, the briefings reporters were getting was no no he's fine for the rest of the season and then we'll take stock at the end of the year and that's all fine until you lose too many games and I mean it really would be Todd <coughs> Bodie has talked about a lot of revolutionary things in English football it really would be revolutionary if he just had limitless patience with a manager if those results continue to go badly Yeah and they, you can you can be doing you can be planning it for the long term and also you can also come along and say, well, actually, maybe this isn't the manager that we uh, really need for the long term now. Mm. And maybe that's how they they um, get around this. But it's uh, it is there. There does come a point when it feels like, OK, this is this is and there is very little Potter isn't isn't the person who you feel is going to somehow uh inspire that change of confidence that's that's the problem because it is like you know look I've got and I, I, you know you talk about Solskjaer it's also there is also the element of of of, of you know more you know long-term plans David Moyes being the great example at United of a long-term plan mm. that Moyes was was methodically working towards uh, you know I've got my long-term contract and I will work you know we'll do module by module uh, step by step and it doesn't really matter if there becomes a kind of if, if the momentum builds to such such a degree Jacob do you think this discussion so far has been fair to Graham Potter who remember has only been there for 18 matches even Abramovich never sacked a coach at that point, I mean, Scolari was the quickest guy to sack or, or to get sacked under Bramovich, and he lasted 36 matches. So even Bramovich probably wouldn't be thinking seriously about sacking Graham Potter by now, would he? If this was a Bramovich ownership and the team that maybe got to the last 16 of the Champions League and they were to lose to Dortmund and 
they were tenth in the league, third best team in West London, then you, you you would start to worry out of both cups, I think. But at the same time, I think that Abramovich ownership probably wouldn't hire a manager like Graham Potter. They wouldn't be going to a club like Brighton and taking away and, and sort of building this long-term project. So I guess it's a it's a difficult comparison to make uh, with with regards to how Abramovich might have acted um, with with Potter. I do think that, that what Dion said about about David Moyes was something I was thinking about yesterday. This it does feel slightly similar to that. Again, though, I think that if you compare the two situations with with Moyes, he took over. Uh, you know, replaced Sir Alex Ferguson, took over from, uh, they were the champions at the time. Uh, whereas I think with, and he obviously took that squad and, and made it quite significantly worse. I think if you compare where Chelsea were uh, at the end of the Tuchel uh, era, they, they just lost to Dinamo Zagreb in the Champions League. They, they'd lost to Southampton at the bottom of the league. They didn't finish last season particularly well. And I think that the, the slump under uh, Tuchel began before the sanctions took place. Um, so I don't think he's taken on a particularly easy situation. And I think there is that awareness within the uh, within the club, within the ownership, that the squad is a bit of a of a mess. It's unbalanced. Um, I do think that, I don't know if they would uh, take this view, but I do think that they kind of made it worse last summer with some of the signings that they uh, made. I don't think that any of them have really worked out so far. Maybe the only one is the loan signing of, of Denis Zakaria, who has started to look quite good in midfield, but otherwise a lot of the signings so far really haven't worked out. And so I think that you, you come in as, as, a, as a manager of that, of that side. And I, I think it's quite hard to, to make it better. I think there are a lot around them. There are teams who are much more settled and uh, have much better squads. Is there and anything? Got the injuries is, as well. He's is, got the injury. is there anything, Jacob, when you, when you look at it, when you look at this situation, is there anything that you think, okay, this is actually Graham Potter's fault? Because I, I look at it and think, well, I mean, half the team is injured. The signings they made have been terrible for two years in a row. And anyone would be struggling. Like, that's, that's a team that's kind of, there's no team there. I mean, I think the one thing that you would probably say is that the, the wing-back experiment he tried at the start of his, um, at the start of his time there, where he tried uh, Raheem Sterling initially as, uh, as a left wing-back. And I think he played him as that right wing-back against Aston Villa. And it was a total disaster. Um, and he, he played them both, Pulisic and Sterling, when they lost 4-1 to Brighton, and it was a bit weird because he had Chilwell on the bench that day, and I don't think it would have been quite so bad if, if Chilwell had been playing at left wing-back instead of Sterling. But otherwise, I think that he's been handed quite a you know difficult situation in terms of the squad, and it's not been made any easier by the fact that um, he's, he's, he's since lost Reese James. I think they've won one league game without Reese James, and Tuchel had the similar problems when Reese and um, Ben Chilwell got injured last season. When that happened, they were top of the league. And when they were both out, they didn't have the replacements for them. They tried with Cucurella to, to get a backup for Chilwell, but he's been a bit of a disaster so far. And the backup at the moment for Reese James is a very old Azpilicueta, who should have been let go last summer. Uh, you know, In, in defence, you've got 38-year-old Thiago Silva, who... You know, you have to cater for for how he plays, even though he looks really classy. He's, he's not quick enough, I think, for the Premier League. Bali, <laughs> I, I think you can probably tell why it wasn't too much of a struggle to get Napoli to sell him last summer. Mm. Uh, and Aubameyang has been a disaster as well. So you go through the squad, and I just think that it's it's such a difficult situation for, um, for Graham Potter. Yeah. It's not his squad. It's very difficult to get that kind of football going. I think as well, if you compare, to, people have compared to how Tuchel so quickly 
got a tune out of them and, and turned them, you know, in a space of a few months into a team capable of winning the Champions League. What I would say to that is that Tuchel had Rudiger and Christensen available in defence. He had the wing-backs available and he had N'Golo Kante. I think that if Kante gets injured in any part of that run to the Champions League final, they don't make it. Yeah. And the one, probably the best performance they've delivered this season was that crazy one against Tottenham. That was the day that Kante got injured and hasn't played since. And they don't have any kind of replacement for him. And they didn't target that properly in the summer. Deanne. So it's all been a bit weird, yeah, um, the way it. that they've gone about building this squad. And I think it's a legacy of the... Um, I, I do think that the current ownership has made a few mistakes in terms of the um, in terms of the squad build, you know, the squad building they did last summer, and also sacking Tuchel when they did. But I think it kind of goes back to how the club has been run under Abramovich in such a short-term way, when the teams around them, you know, namely Liverpool and Manchester City, have done it in a different way, uh, yeah. building in a much more patient style. I think it, it's a, the uh, Jacob lays it out there. Like one of the problems the ownership have had is that. If you're trying to stress the sort of long-term plan and long-term building, and I know you're trying to correct, they're trying to correct a lot of stuff in the in the transfer market or, or on the imbalance in the squad, but there's been nothing or very little in their in in their dealings. Um, Aubameyang. Aubameyang is a perfect example. The idea that, oh, we're, we're building for the future. Trust us, this is a long-term, you know, like Stephen Kenny, like this is a long-term plan we're building for. Uh, and here's Aubameyang. Mm. And and we're going to sign, we're going to sack Tuchel. And, you know, somebody told me who's kind of close to sort of Chelsea that just before that, Chelsea had been talking about giving Tuchel a kind of, you know, Bowley had been talking him up as a long-term manager. Mm. And that was a sacking that in its way, as Jacob says, like you could see Abramovich doing that. OK, you, you won the European Cup for us a while ago, sometime in the past, but mm. things have gone, you know, you've, had, you've had some bad results. People aren't happy. You know, in the old days, John Terry and, and Frank Lampard aren't happy with your management. Yeah. Uh, you're gone. Yeah. So then how do you persuade the fan base that having acted like that, having bought Abamyang, having bought all these things that scream of instant gratification, that now, actually, now when you want this piece of instant gratification, no, this now we're thinking long term. I mean, uh, Potter said something interesting. I thought in that <coughs> press conference on uh, Thursday, um, this was after they lost the the first game against City, and he said, "Yeah, you know, um, I think the question the question was sort of interesting. It was like." Um, you would have been sacked at a lot of clubs for winning one out of the last eight league games, but maybe not here at the newly patient Chelsea. You know, are are you grateful or are you relieved? I can't remember what the exact word was, but are you sort of? He was lucky. I think it was. Are you, are you lucky? Are you? Do you feel? Do you feel lucky? Do you do you feel lucky to be here at Chelsea, where such mediocrity is tolerated because of this new commitment to the long term? <laughs> and um, and what he said was, yeah, you know, you know, I mean, there's been this huge change at Chelsea. Uh, and this is something people, it's difficult for people to get their heads around, that Chelsea for 20 years was one thing, and now it's a completely different thing. And I thought, oh, no. Mm. Oh, no. Does he actually believe that? Like, Chelsea is not the same. Chelsea, or Chelsea is the same thing. Okay, it's now owned by a different billionaire. But it's the same club. Like, I, when I heard them chanting for Roman Abramovich, I was like, there they are. This is Graham Potter proper Chelsea enough to be but, but, but the, one, the other thing with that you would say is well there'll be a number of Chelsea fans who go what was wrong with the way things were 
like apart from whether whether it's changed or not, they said, well, you know, we kind of enjoyed that Chelsea that you're saying it is, isn't the same Chelsea. It worked. I mean, it worked. For, uh, you know, it, 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 they lost. They lost a decent amount of money every season. Sure. But it worked. But that didn't, yeah, that didn't matter. That was, that was, the, and like, that's the point. Like, Chelsea haven't, clearly, the the way Abramovich left and the way that happened, like, that change was going to be deeply uncomfortable for Chelsea supporters. And we all have kind of felt that at the time. Okay, this is, you're in, you're in a new world now. Now, that would maybe more, easy, again, easier to kind of advance if Chelsea were saying, well, now we have to... Uh, we have to, you know, we can only spend what we, what we, what we, what we, you know, through through transfers and all this kind of stuff. If we're going to be, we're going to have to be very prudent now as we build and uh, all that kind of thing. But instead, they have gone gone on with this kind of, uh, you know, even more reckless kind of. Like Chelsea had probably more of a, a plan when when Peter Cech uh, was there signing Romelu Lukaku. Well, they, they just had. Well, okay. Not, not a good example, but um, but they were probably more more to a strategy now than the, than what they've done since. So um, and t- to your other point, I think that that Chelsea hasn't changed because they they uh, they 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 came of age, they experienced the Abramovich era, which did work in in their mind, and it did work in terms of like if we are if we are dissatisfied, if we are unhappy. Sometimes when we're not unhappy, if if you know we'll be unhappy, our Roman Abramovich will be unhappy, and action action will be taken. Sometimes we'll we'll protest, you know, the sacking of Mourinho, or we'll protest the sacking of our of of Di Matteo or whoever. But the three rats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the, all that, all that stuff. But we will we will turn on managers sometimes. But that that's the mood. That's the way we'll be, and we'll always be kind of trusting ultimately that Roman Abramovich will will get it right because he'll just keep spending money even when he kind of had lost interest a bit. And that style is is harder to advance with Graham Potter. And the one other thing I'd say about that, it's kind of interesting, and Jacob would would know a lot more about this. When you hear managers being asked questions like that, it kind of tells you where they are. You don't often hear, people don't really talk to Klopp or Conte in the terms of like, do you feel like you're a, a kind of lucky guy to be here? There, there's sort of, a, sort, of, sort of a hierarchy in terms of the questions. Whereas when you're kind of being asked, like, you know, you're not really, you know, you're just, you're just it's amazing what's happening here, Graham, that you're still, still in the job. <laughs> that kind of tells you that there's something kind of shifting. Jacob, last one on, on Chelsea. How did you think he got on? Whatever about on the field over the last two games in that press conference where he seemed to come out swinging in polite Graham Potter fashion? Yeah, I thought it was good to see, actually, because, as, as Dion says, I think that, that there comes a point where probably within a press conference, people slightly, unintentionally or, or not, start to take the piss a little bit. You're so out, emotionally stable, Graham. A lot, a lot of normal men would have become angry yeah. in, in your situation, yeah. and yet you just seem to sit there, you know, not reacting to anything. Yeah, and I, I, and I, I, I do think with, with Potter that there is a bit of a show kind of going on in terms of how... Um, dull he is. It's, there's there's almost a performance going on in terms of how ridiculously boring the press conferences have been, and people have kind of stopped going on a Friday at times. You're you're, you're actually joking? Are you serious? People have yeah, stopped I mean, going. There's, there's, you know, oh no! With, with, with oh, Tuchel, no. it was you know you're, you're getting gold every three days out of out of his press conferences, even if it's a preview for a terrible game, because he was he would just sort of say whatever he fancied. But with Potter, it's very different. And I do think that what came out on Thursday night after what was another difficult evening for him was good to see because I think it kind of showed people that maybe don't mess with him a little too much because he can snap back. And I think, you know, the idea of this guy being a complete pushover 
within an industry like football is probably a bit silly because he would have had to deal with all kinds of things at different kinds of clubs. Um, and you, you can't do that without being tough and without getting angry just because he doesn't do it in public doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't do it in, in private. But I do think he needs to start showing that because nobody would talk to Pep, to Klopp in that kind of way. I think, you know, the, the problem he's going to have with is, is that the fans clearly don't like him. A lot of them, I, I, a sensible fan messaged me yesterday and said he's got to go and he kind of wanted him out from day one. And they liked Tuchel so much. And I do think as bad as it potentially was getting under Tuchel, with a manager like that, as good as he was, there's probably a base level of uselessness that you can get to. And he probably, the fans liked him so much that they probably would have stood for it for a few more months until it got clear that it probably couldn't have gone on. The point at which Potter came in, they've made it very, very pressurised already for him. Uh, and I think we've seen before as well with Chelsea fans, they don't like, they don't really like the process manager. They really didn't like Sarri. They didn't like BS Boas. They like, they've liked managers who are horrible and want to win now. Conte, <laughs> Mourinho, uh, Tuchel. Um, Tuchel wasn't horrible, but he wanted to win now. And Potter is obviously a long-term project. And it's that cultural shift that the fans and the club are going to have to get to. But it's going to be very interesting to see if, 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 you know, if it really starts to turn on him and if it starts to really turn on the owners. Well, it's not going to be owners who are going to resign, is it? It's, it's going to have to be someone else. Um, and as much as you talk about a long-term view, it's going to be interesting to see whether they really follow through on it. It is funny that, that Graham Potter is the outlier. Like a normal society, you'd probably say, what a, what a lovely fella, nice guy. Met, met Graham the other day. Yeah, he's sound, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But like, he, he's just a complete weirdo. What's in wrong with this guy? What's wrong with him? He doesn't go ranting and raving. He's, and a, great, like a, he's a great guy to work with. Exactly. Dion, it is... Is or are this Manchester City team better without Erling Haaland in the second <laughs> line? There you go. Thank you. Um, I think uh, um, no, they, they they are in in the in the uh, in the in the Guardiola ideal. I think there is uh, you could see you could see him kind of looking at it, going, "This is this is the football I want," and uh, the, the, you know there is there is a, there is a purity to this that you know that is that is sort of diluted when uh, Erling Haaland comes along does does very does very little in a game except except score at some like at a ridiculous rate um but in in everything else that Pep Guardiola wants from a football team there there are there, there's a there's a vision that is being realized when when Erling Haaland isn't on the field um, that isn't as 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 clear when he is because he's he is an extraordinary. We know how extraordinary he is, but when you watch him, it is it is uh, you 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 can see he doesn't. It is a classic thing where he doesn't do an awful lot except for score at, at a rate that we've very rarely seen mm-hmm. before. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think they're definitely better with him. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think uh, I think it's a, it's a hard argument to sustain just because the, he has played most of the games. So there isn't it's it's not like a bunch of evidence saying well actually every time he doesn't play they win four nil. Well, like that, I ama- did that amazing third goal team goal yesterday. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was an amazing moment. That's that maybe I'm not sure because they scored a lot of good goals, but that has to be one of their best goals of the season. Um, but no, I'm I'm not. I mean, I I only put that in on because because I saw it being asked to Michael Richards, mm-hmm. and everyone was laughing about him being a Man City ambassador. And I thought, is this really like? I mean, he is a Man City ambassador. <laughs> it would be funny if he wasn't one, but he is. So it's not a joke. 
but what? So why is everyone laughing? Anyway, look, sorry. I'm yeah. just pursuing my private hobby horse there. Saturday night, Liverpool, Wolves. Uh, it was sloppy from Liverpool, even from Alisson. I asked you what kind of a state uh, Graham Potter is in at Chelsea. What kind of a state are Liverpool in now, do you think, under Klopp? And when are they going to root out that Grima Wormtongue guy they've got ruining everything behind the scenes, Pep Linders? It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a extraordinary how bad it's got, how, how quickly it's got so bad. And um, I think it's uh, obviously the, 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 you know, the, the Liverpool chorus is makes, you know, two things, make signings, sign midfielders and, and do something about Pep Linders. Um, <laughs> uh, and they do remind me, Liverpool fans do kind of remind me at this stage of uh, Dominic Cummings railing against Carrie Johnson, you know, <laughs> blaming her for every problem in the in the UK government because like he couldn't didn't want to you know felt that Boris Johnson when when me and Boris were getting getting on uh, everything was fine. Now Jurgen Klopp is not Boris Johnson, but it's uh, it's a ridiculous it's a really ridiculous line of attack. This idea that he is like that he is somehow being responsible for this shift. He's acquired too much power. It's all, it's really classic kind of uh, online conspiracy stuff. It's kind of Lady Macbeth. It's everything. It's, it's, and it's, it's, it's crazy because his entire, his entire philosophy has always been, you know, has always been about pressing, has always been about midfields that are energetic. And I, I think, uh, whilst that was the source of Liverpool's problems, it, there is, there is, you look at it now and go, okay, what is going on? What what has what has happened since this problem materialised to actually make it worse and seem to have actually drained the entire squad of any kind of belief and cannot be rectified by signing the player signing signing a couple of midfielders. There is something weird going on, though. You know, I mean, what? Maybe it's just that they haven't they haven't you know. The, the the crowd saying, "Oh, sign a midfielder." Maybe the crowd is right about that. You know, maybe it's that they haven't done that in a long time, or haven't signed one that's worked in 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 years. Maybe that is got, has got something to do with it. But also, um, there's obviously this situation with their ownership. Is you know, they've the FSG have decided they're they're going to go. Michael Edwards left. This was the guy who'd been signing all the players, or, or you know, kind of leading that. Let's say. Um, Mike Gordon, the guy who'd been sort of the the on the ground boss or, or the in Boston on the ground boss, is no longer doing that. Um, and into this power vacuum, supposedly Jurgen Klopp has seeped, uh, you know, running. Maybe he's taken on too much. Maybe Jurgen's taken on too much. Maybe Jurgen's taken on too much. Like that's, and but that's a more challenging argument to make than that it's it, it's his assistant because. Uh, that would be uh, well. How has he lost sight of his own um, principles? In the sense that, like, if if he if his teams have always been about this, like uh, intensity, you know, uh, running, sprinting, pressing, challenging, how can how can he be presiding over a situation where he's got a bunch of thirty plus midfielders who can't really play that way uh, without sort of saying, okay, we need to do something about this? Well, that's that is the. Uh Contradiction, and maybe that's that's where he feels that they they could have done something, and the, they could have done something over the last few years. And maybe he looks at it and goes, "Well, you know, maybe rather than buying Naby Keita, there could there were other options, or other whether we could have done Liverpool could have done more in those situations that would have 
given that you know, because when people talk about the profile of the midfielder that they need, they always kind of jump like Liverpool spent an awful lot of money by they, their standards on Keita, who was seen as the person to fix all those problems, whose signing was greeted euphorically uh, by Liverpool supporters. This was this was they they again classic Liverpool. Now he kind of almost gets left out when people talk about it's Thiago and we have, Liverpool haven't signed any other midfielders, um, but. Klopp might feel that maybe they could have been signing more options. And this is Liverpool's situation and problem an awful lot of the time is that they need their signings, they need their big signings to work. They've always needed their big signings to work in a way that Manchester City probably don't because they've another they've another they can't carry a Jack Grealish is what you're saying they can't carry like they, mm. you know we, we, we probably don't need to talk about Darwin Nunes again I think we talked about him the last mm. time I was, but like you know Alisson worked Van Dijk worked those big signings worked and they need their big signings to work and Keita was kind of not in in that bracket but he was a big enough signing Jota worked big you know in, in that area Luz Diaz the same so they need those players to work and it, when it's when it's a, the core of the side, it's um, it's 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 they lose a lot. And to your point then about whether Klopp, how Klopp could be blind to this, and it, it may be that he thought that there was too much to lose by lo- like the, the experienced players at least had some knowledge of of what he wanted and what was required. Uh, and you know, the, like it is, you know, like Fabinho is an extraordinary kind of slump given his his qualities. Like Henderson is go- is gone too, but I, I think that you know, at his age, that's probably to be expected. But like it is, I think Klopp would would have been it would have been even greater a gamble for him to say right. Let's get rid of these. The thing he's criticised for now, like sticking with these with these older yeah, yeah, players. Yeah. Let's get rid of all this experience. Look, I've got Naby Keita. I've got Harvey Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need Fabinho and Jordan Henderson anymore. So I think uh, there are a lot of factors to it. But clearly, it has now spiralled beyond. I think it's spiralled beyond the point where you can say, right, sign one player, sign two players, and everything's okay. Yeah. What's your impression of it, uh, Jacob? I know that you're mainly covering uh, Chelsea, but uh, they must be relieved that at least one of their potential rivals seems to be in a state of collapse. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's weird to watch the, the way that they seem to just have unraveled. Uh, the, the, the Brentford game last week, just how easy the worst play against. Um, I, I think I've said on here before that I always think that Trent Alexander-Arnold is a bit of a problem defensively, as, as brilliant as he is going forward. And I think it was that it was the second goal, wasn't it, where he just wasn't close to Whistler at all when he scored the header. And I mean, I, I kind of came back from the World Cup thinking that they would um, go on one of their steamrolling runs and, and probably power into the top four. And I think that's pro- that may well now possibly be dependent on Newcastle, their lack of squad depth and what they may do this month, maybe holding them back. But Newcastle, without the without the um, distraction of Europe, is obviously gives them gives them a big chance. And exactly what goes on at, at Tottenham as well, because who knows what's going to happen with Conte and, and and how that will how that will play out. But the the, the way that they've played since the um, since the since the return, you know, they had the win over Villa, but I thought they were lucky and just they just seemed so vulnerable to kind of simple balls over the top and, and, and balls into the area at the moment. And it's so different to, to the way that we've kind of seen them under 
under Klopp. So just, it does feel like, as, as Dion said, there's some, some major renovation that kind of needs to take place there. Yeah, there's a bit of renovation going on behind <laughs> you by the sounds of things. <laughs> oh, tell actually. me about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, D- they just they just started just as I finished that. So oh, no, that's okay. Nice, nicely time, Dion. Um, we hit you with a bit of a bombshell as you arrived into the office this morning. Yeah, Evan Ferguson's going to play for England, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I couldn't. I, I I missed this story yesterday, and. Uh, I think you know you could have just you know my little tiny heart breaking as a as yeah we could, we, you would have been happier you would have attacked the day with a lot more vigor had we not brought this up. But that Evan Ferguson yeah. is for, I, it's, I, not, it's not going to happen. I, I don't think it is going to happen. I think if it did happen, we'd have every everything would have to be reevaluated. You'd have to kind of start thinking, God, is is there any point? Yeah. <laughs> is there any point in this international thing anymore? You know that uh, a player that. Whose whose father played for underage Ireland sides, mm-hmm. um, who uh, we've we've earmarked already now as the saviour um, if he was to play for England because he's got a, an English-born mother. I, I I I think it's 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 highly unlikely. Um, I did think it's uh, and you know Paul Rowan is 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 an excellent journalist and it was Paul Rowan's story in the Sunday Times, but he you know he mentioned that Lee Carsley was. Uh, was kind of you know stroking his chin and wondering about this this move. Now Lee Carsey could conceivably in in this in this alternate universe uh, steal Evan Ferguson for the FA for, for the FA in England and then become Ireland manager. <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. Oh no, that's not something I want to consider. Uh, is he the savior? Is Evan Ferguson savior? Um, Didn't score at the weekend, <laughs> but, the but but seemed to play. <laughs> seemed to play. He's playing uh, Liverpool pretty, next. So. Pretty well. Ah yeah. The feast on there. Uh, yeah, amazing. What, what Twice, you... actually, because they got drawn against each other in the Cup. So. What have you made of him so far? Oh, he's been brilliant. He's been great. He, like, we, we, we don't want to sit here and call, you know, say, an 18-year-old is the saviour. Mm-hmm. But he does seem to be everything you would want in, some, <laughs> in, in a saviour type. <laughs> he's saviour adjacent, is what, is what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, Dion, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, thanks Jacob, thanks, Amelian. Thank you. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, uh, thanks Dion, of course. So it turns out that Lampard actually does, he genuinely does feel that sorry for himself. To send him out into the Premier League, expecting him to get results with this squad, with this group of players. Like, he looks, the fact is, he looks at that squad, and in his head, all he can hear is, This is his exquisite self-pity Timo Werner like Timo Werner imagine that's one for the players players have to take the responsibility because the, the message was clear did he bring the players in did he bring the Germans in? And then Jody Morris is like, boss, boss, you know, <laughs> what, what, what are we going to do? He's like, oh, he, you know, he breaks out of this dreaming. But like, can you believe that they're, what they're doing to Lampard? I hadn't realised we've been talking so much in the podcast about Wout Weghorst uh, over the course of World Cup until his name was linked with Manchester United mm. and I started getting a lot of notifications as I think you did as well. Murph. I got a lot of just eyes emojis and then yeah. links to stories. But I mean, Ken's prediction that Wout Weghorst would score two or less goals 
uh, after he got signed by Burnley last year. I did love it. I thought it was I <laughs> it was very prescient, you know. Mm-hmm. I know that Ken over the Christmas wrote an extremely funny article about how bad his oh, predictions have been in twenty twenty two. I can't believe you do this to me. Well well you did. It was very funny and uh, very enjoyable. It was, uh, a bit of, it was a bit of self-effacing fun. You nah, know? it's the a bit best. Of, it was a sideways a look back at 2022 with our football columnist, Ken Early. <laughs> a man whose ego is so large he could actually write this article, basically. <laughs> <laughs> a man of such vaulting egotism. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Va- old Vowdy. He's coming to Old Trafford, Ode. He's coming to Old Trafford. Yeah, how, you fe- how do you feel about it? How do I feel about it? I feel... Excited? I do. I feel excited, actually. I'm excited to see what the the big old bastard can do for us. In fairness. Because uh, he is very big. Like, I, think wow. it's a, I think it's a good option. I think it's a good option. You know... Get it launched to Vout. Well, I mean, because Ten Hag's been looking for that, you know? Mm. I mean, he, he wanted Arnautovic, remember? Yes. Yeah. And then he couldn't sign Arnautovic because of, for non-football reasons, let's say, mm-hmm. the, the fan base took against him. But uh, in the case of Vout Veghorst... You know, I think he showed in the World Cup that he is a capable player. It is mm-hmm. a different conversation after it is the performance against Argentina <laughs> in the World Cup than it might have been before that. Well, it's all it's different also in terms of, you know, I think he would he could be I think he's a good option for Manchester United to have in their squad. Whereas when Burnley were signing him, it seemed like well, good luck to him there because I don't I haven't yet seen the the player who would score a lot of goals playing for Burnley, and he was going to be kind of doing this, you know, he was going to be playing there every uh, every week. In, in, whereas with United, he would be like a kind of a bench option or in some games option or when you need to change the pattern of a game option. And I think in that um, circumstance, he could be very effective, you know? So, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the teammates are better. The team is more dominant. There's going to be more chances to score. And then you score, and then you suddenly you feel confident. I mean, did you see the Besiktas fans? Did you see his... Uh, mm. his it was beautiful, wasn't Yeah, but it? did you see how much they loved him? Yeah, they did. So, oh, it was beautiful. What did they do? So he scored, and then it was like... It, it, it was for them to go 2-0 up. Uh, raucous celebrations behind the goal. Vout kind of goes over. It gives it, you know, the, the old... Like the heart Love sign. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm sorry, you know, I, uh, we're guys. going, you know, waves bye-bye. And everyone's going like, <laughs> oh, man, move we now, you, please. Yeah. We can change, <laughs> Tell us how you'd like us to change. Yeah, so it was nice. Chance? You know, he's, he's, he's made a good impression there. So, yeah, um, yeah I think it, it's, a, it's a good... It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, how many league goals will Vod Veghorst end up with Ken? <laughs> it's hard, it's hard to really hard. I'd say he's back to a one and two ratio with Besiktas yeah so you know how many league games are left there's uh, 21, 21 league games 21 league games will he make double figures in Premier League goals no. oh, double, double figures uh, he'd be doing well on he's, he made, he's, he's on one and two well, yeah, but he's not yeah, going to get... He's in one, one two, Bizicta, so he's not going to play... Well, um, that's a good point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I would say no, I don't. Will he make five goals? Five Premier League goals. Will come on, make... Ken, let's just say five, and let's just... Come will, on. Will he score five Premier League goals? Well, first of all, I don't even know if he's, if he's signed. He's got... Listen, he's going to bag a brace at least once. Some, will, as you know, are running up the score, he'll I, bag a brace, and then you're talking about three goals. Come on. I think... Uh, I think No. But that doesn't. Ken mean goes under. I will say I'll take the over, as in five. Five or five. You haven't said that. You haven't said it very high. I mean, I have to limbo dance under this. You know, a striker. Care to make United. this interesting? <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh, 
But it's not all about it's not all about goals. It's about it's about the team, Owen. And I think Vout Vakehorst understands that. It's about big Vout energy. That's it what it's is, about. Yeah. And he's going to bring that to Old Trafford. There's no doubt about that. Thanks for listening today. Glad to have around the hotel. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Murph. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank Owen. you. Thank Owen. you, Thank you Karen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to have a look at secondcaptains.com. Maybe sign up for the Second Captains World Service. And you can get all episodes ad-free if you do become a member. The Second Captain's Podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The Second Captain's World Service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.